Hello, I'm Fenya. I'm Susanna. And I'm Nick, and we probably shouldn't be friends. That's because we're from different places and we come at issues from different angles. I'm a gay, mixed-race, working-class bloke. Boxes ticked. And I'm a traditional Catholic woman living as an immigrant in a very liberal country. And I'm a climate protester turned riot police. But what we all have in common is we're looking to figure out what the hell is going on in the world and how we navigate it. And we'll talk about everything from politics to dating, from mental health to nutrition. We'll look at history and current affairs for inspiration and we'll share stories from our own lives. All topics and viewpoints will be welcome, so if you're easily offended, switch off now. Welcome back to another episode of Shouldn't Be Friends. The streets of London are draped in flags, as are parks and police stations across the country. The people prepare to celebrate, memorabilia abounds. No, we're not talking about the coronation. It's not the British flag which dots the land. It's Pride Month. How do we get here? 55 years ago, homosexuality was still illegal. In June 2020, the Pride flag was planted atop of 10 Downing Street. Campaign-wise, what an amazing feat. There are a litany of achievements the gay rights movement scored from decriminalisation to gay marriage and facilitating the invention of PrEP, which is an anti-HIV pill. But something has changed. Multinationals wrap themselves in the banner. More categories of people are being brought under the umbrella. Young gays and lesbians find themselves locked out of their gay villages when big events companies and NGOs turn the area into a street festival each June. Not very inclusive. Hmm. The country's largest corporations redesign their logos to incorporate the pride flag for the duration of the month. Pride paraphernalia is ubiquitous. In some ways, what started as a rebellion has become so powerful, it's become something to rebel against, as it commandeers our whole politics and our culture. Many lesbians and gays have decided to turn their backs on pride, myself included, as it becomes a totalitarian mockery of itself while co-opted by far-left activists as if everything else to instill a 2S LGBTQIA++ let's run out of letters on the alphabet ideology which marches through our institutions and evokes a backlash from the straight people who openly accepted us not that long ago. The gay movement was originally about equality before the law, but a new generation of activists are taking this movement to dominion. So let's start at the beginning, because it did have a good origin. Fenya, how did Pride come about? It all kind of stemmed from the Stonewall riots, which, if you don't know, they started in um, June 1969. Um, so there was a popular gay bar in New York uh, called Stonewall Inn, which was regularly targeted by police and law enforcement in the area. They'd come in, shut it down, all of that kind of stuff. And on, on this date in June... Uh, 1969 the patrons decided to fight back basically and this ended up in a riot that lasted three days um that i mean the riots obviously did eventually come to an end and then the next year the people um took out to do a bit of a uh, non-violent protest by doing a march sort of down the streets of new york and ever since that's continued every june and um, yeah, that's where the pride kind of began and now it's swelled into this massive beast that it is today. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? And it's become, well, it's a global movement now, isn't it? I mean, trans activists are trying to say that um, it was all started by this trans woman, Marsha P. Johnson. But when I've had a look, there's not much evidence for that. I mean, there's videos and um, 
recordings from conversations of Johnson himself, who says that he classes himself as a drag queen or a, mm. a male transvestite, and that he didn't even turn up till 2am, and the riot started a lot earlier than that. But I think what we do realise is that it was definitely a movement of a collective of different sexual minorities, gays, lesbians, drag queens. I'm sure there were some transsexuals there. Um, and until that moment, they'd been quite persecuted, hadn't they, by the police? I mean, I've heard stories of beatings. And one thing I did hear, though, is that the mafia would, like, warn them in advance, which is quite weird. You wouldn't oh, expect... Oh, I didn't hear that, yeah. You wouldn't expect the mafia to kind of be on their side. But maybe they were... Maybe they owned the bar or something, so they... Well, yeah, they probably made the money in illegal liquor and stuff like that, didn't they? Um, yeah, and then it kind of washed up on our shores in in, in a positive way yeah. <laughs> um, in 1972. It was a, a different climate when it came to the UK because homosexuality had been decriminalised in 1967 and we've never had that kind of extreme law enforcement that they tend to have over in the States. I think so. I mean, you do hear the stories about the sort of gay bashing and stuff like that that did yeah. used to go on a little bit back in the sort of 70s and um, and I think 80s as well, wasn't it? Yeah. But I think not quite to the, the severe numbers and volume that it happened in the US. Yeah, and our first Pride March was in London, 1972. Um, and I think it was only about 150 men and now it's swollen into this humongous thing where pretty much every town in the UK has a pride march. I mean, even Woking <laughs> has a pride parade, which is crazy. The police come, they apparently crime stops that day. So the police come, they yeah. break dance and parade around the streets. And as you say, it's a month now. Full month. A full month. And it was just a march. Mm, yeah, it's literally stemmed from, from one sort of peaceful protest in recognition of this quite awful event. And now, yeah, there's mm. a whole month to celebrate, which... Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Pride started out as a great thing because it was, you know, there's been movements for gay liberation for centuries. Mm. And, you know, it was this moment where they started to really get some momentum and then they had this thing to do to say, you know, don't be ashamed of who you are. You are who you are. You can't change that. And, you know, we're all different and we all have for functions to you know, fulfill in, in life and mm. be proud of who you are. Because when you when you are, I mean, I don't know what it was like then. I mean, my uncle, he, I mean, he's died now, but he would have been in his late 60s and he was gay. Mm. And he would sometimes tell me stories of how it used to be. And, you know, he used to get beaten the crap out of, like really beaten the crap out of. I mean, luckily, like his mum and dad were quite accepting. I wouldn't say they were open, yeah. but they, they, you know, they didn't make him feel shame. They just kind of ignored it and accepted his partner as his friend. Yeah. And because um, when I was growing up, my dad would call him his friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which oh, he is, lives together with his best friend. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah. that was common, like the thing, it? wasn't it? Yeah, like their friend, and Special friend. you know they have achieved a monumental amount. I mean, seventy-seven percent of Brits support gay marriage, which is huge because we didn't even have that when they brought gay marriage in in two thousand and thirteen. You know, yeah. there was that's less than a decade later, yeah, isn't it? It, it moves just about. Yeah, it moves so quickly. We had same-sex adoption rights in two thousand and two, civil partnership in two thousand and four. Um, They've just, you know, a huge amount of things. I mean, there was the Gender Recognition Act for trans people in 2004. Um, that actually arose out of a European court ruling because um, there was a case in the 70s, Corbett v Corbett, which 
made changing your birth certificate gender illegal but apparently that was found to be against the European Convention on Human Rights so they had to bring in the Gender Recognition Act which didn't I didn't that was know in 2004 yeah yeah which is quite interesting and then you know this all culminated in a way in getting the Equality Act in 2010 which was for anyone who doesn't know the Equality Act um compels organizations especially public bodies to kind of make an equal playing field between people of different protected characteristics so race sex sexual orientation etc disability so that kind of allowed for protections in the workplace and uh, among all different institutions and then the gay marriage in in 2013 which came into force the following year and so many gays left the movement then but then Mm. they left a vacuum for uh, people who were more extreme, if I'm going to be charitable. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably why we find ourselves where we are now. I mean, how do you, how do you feel about Pride, like, as a straight person? like I've never really had much to do with it, to be honest with you. I've never been to a Pride march. I've never mm-hmm. been to a Pride festival. I never even had to police one in my four years in the Met. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know how I feel. I, I like the idea of where it started from. I mean, the fact that it's it's there to sort of commemorate a riot and something horrible and people actually being oppressed. Yeah. That I'm like, well, fair enough. I'm not a protester myself, but I understand why people go out there and do it. Mm. Um, but now I do sort of feel it's become this sort of quite aggressive beast. Yeah. I was doing a little bit of research and I came across all these articles that were like how to be a better ally at Pride. And it was all very much telling you, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like, you are not important here. You take the back seat. And it was just, it's all very sort of... Yeah, you have have a guide, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I can have a little read um, of some of the best bits. So... (laughs) Best bits. (laughs) Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, in in left-wing kind of activism, there's always this idea of the ally. So, you know, you are black and oppressed or you're gay and oppressed or you're trans and oppressed. And then people who aren't that can be called allies. And that means that you have to become kind of an agent for this movement. And if you are in their space where they're doing their activism, this is your guide to behaviour basically yeah it's it's a very sort of strict set of rules that you have to follow if you go into this pride as a as a mm. non-gay or transgender person yourself um so i mean the first one is ask yourself why you're attending and um, this chap said i think straight cisgendered folks should ask themselves a few questions before attending um sort of am i familiar with the history am i going to use queer people as a source of entertainment which is fair enough you probably shouldn't be doing that um, and then am I yeah, genuinely... but then if there's drag queens there, what do they mean? Yeah, are they not a source of entertainment? Uh, yeah, I, I thought, thought that's that what was they're the they're whole they're... industry. Yeah. It's the entertainment industry. But yeah, um, am I genuinely an ally of the LGBT community? So it's all very much you need to make sure. Uh, it's quite dogmatic. Yeah. And the problem is, is that they are so smart in wrapping up quite simple things that you can't agree, disagree with, mm. with kind of outrageous demands. Like, yeah. I'm gay, of course I support gay rights, but yeah. like I don't support some of the things that they stand for. There's one single movement and we're meant to be one community with one voice, mm. one opinion on everything. So we should all believe in teaching masturbation to children. We yeah. should all believe in transing six-year-olds. We should all believe in equity and social justice and all of this. You know, I don't. I think differently. It doesn't mean I hate gay people. I am one, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Like, and I, th- like, I thought the movement was all about celebrating diversity and differences, but it does sort of seem that if you're not 
mm. exactly the same as everyone there, then and you don't support exactly what they believe in, then you don't belong. Um, and another one of the things that I was a little bit concerned about on this list of, of things to do as an ally, um, Google before you go and save your questions for later. So it says um, it's not the queer community's job to be educators, especially at Pride. It can come off as insensitive and intrusive to ask someone questions about, say, logi- the logistics of queer sex in the middle of a parade. Fair enough, I get that. But that's um, just like basic manners, isn't it? Yeah, that exactly. I just think that that's just being polite. And um, I think it was a lot of it was just saying it's okay to ask for help and guidance, but don't expect an LGBT person to know everything and to assume that they're willing to teach you is inconsiderate. And I just think I thought the whole point of gay pride was to educate and inform and spread the message. So then now we're going around saying, but you can't you can't ask us questions, though, because that's rude and inconsiderate. And it's just like, surely if, if you're a genuine ally, surely mm. you want to understand as much as you can and you so that you can appreciate it more. Like, a, another thing that they mentioned was take a back seat. And they say that you should do this literally in the speeches, never go and sit in the, um, the front rows sort of thing. Don't make a big deal about yourself. Just sort of hide away in the background. This was sort of suggesting... Um, be gracious. Again, it just wants you to be polite. And and one that I did really enjoy was um, introduce yourself with your pronouns. So that's obviously, I imagine, more of a recent thing that they've added into these sort of pride parades Mm. in that now you um, it's given a guide of how you're supposed to say this. So, for example, hello, my name is Gabrielle and I use she, her, hers pronouns. So it's just like it's not enough that you're supporting people and you're well, you're not allowed to ask the questions, so you have to do all of your research before you go. And you have to know everything about the, the sort of community before you have the audacity to turn up to Pride to celebrate these people. And then well, yeah, and yeah. then you have to start sort of, there's a sp- specific way you have to speak. You can't just go, hi, I'm Fenya, who are you? It's got to be, hi, I'm Fenya, are you she, her, hers pronouns? And I don't speak like that in normal life, so why, why should I start introducing that into, I know, I know. into Pride- my attitude at Pride? Pride was never meant to be a movement about denying reality. And the only reason that they require you to ask pronouns is because there are people out there that require you to deny reality. I can see you're a woman. You don't need to tell me you're she, her. But in certain groups where they believe that you can be anything you want, of course you've got to ask because you can't assume because Mm. they don't live in reality. They live in subjective feeling. It's odd. And Pride was never about that. You know, I was listening to a good podcast um, with someone who's very high up in the gay liberation movement throughout the 70s. So Andrew Sullivan was in the gay liberation movement in both the UK and the US. And he was saying, you know, it was a universalist appeal, really. It was to say, you know, we're normal people. We're normal like you. We just want to have legal rights, live together. Um, You know, if we're on our deathbed, I want them to be able to make decisions for me. I want to be able to go and live my life. I don't want to infringe on you. I understand that you dominate society, straight people, and we're Mm. not going to try and change that. And I think that's why they were so successful in appealing to those things that we can all agree on. Because it's supposed to be reasonable, isn't it? Just to be treated as a human being. And, you know, saying we won't bother you, just, you know, obviously you're going to see us, but we can't really help that. But... You know, we're not going to try and change you and your lives. And people were very gracious in allowing us to gain our rights and have the acceptance that we have. I Yeah, there were difficulties in childhood, like with bullying and stuff. But like as an adult, I really never feel discriminated against at all. It just seems to me now that there are some really harsh demands that are just unreasonable. You know, I was listening to um, Pink News 
Pink News markets itself as the voice of the LGBT in this mm. country. And they had a Trans Plus Summit. I don't know what Trans Plus is, but Summit. And it was sponsored by EY, one of the largest accounting firms in the world, uh, based in Canary Wharf, I think. And in this, they were saying that um, it's wrong for women to have any fear about men being allowed into their toilets without having to you know, change their bodies at all. It's just, you know, I'm a woman, I could just come in the toilet. And there's a lot of women that genuinely feel affected by that. You know, there's women who have been victims of domestic violence and male abuse, and they just, they want to feel safe when they go to the loo. Yeah. And they were making fun of those women. You know, they call them cis and this, that and the other, which is literally changing the definition of what a woman is. So again, that's an infringement I mean, they had the CEO of Wix, the hardware store, and he was saying that if you disagree with any of it, you're not welcome in their stores. Mm. So I would encourage anyone boy to boycott them. Um, and they were talking about how it's wrong for doctors and clinics to be the gatekeepers of trans healthcare, which is, you know, hormones, and that actually it should be like a one-stop shop where you can walk in and walk out of your hormones the same day, no questions asked. And that should be from the age of six. That's so... Yeah. These are unreasonable demands that many people in the gay and lesbian community do not support. I do not. I know loads of people who don't. And that's why we're seeing branch away movements, the LGB Alliance, Gays Against Groomers, all these different movements mm. that are saying we have nothing to do this. Why are you doing this in our name? Because you are starting a backlash, which we are seeing against us. And we are the people that are going to suffer the brunt of it when yeah. people go no more gay, like none. Yeah. You know? And like, I, I do sort of feel like there has been a bit of a reaction to that in the, in the greater world. I mean, we can't deny that there are still sort of issues in the, the gay community worldwide that we should be focusing on instead of infringing upon other people's rights. So sort of the African countries, there's quite a few there where being, being gay is illegal. Nigeria, for example, you, you can't be gay. Like, it, it's, you'll, you'll be sent to prison. So... I, th I feel like they're starting to tighten their laws as well. Mm -hmm. And I do sort of wonder if it is a response to oh, how sort of liberal we've been in the West. They've been like, oh, we're not getting anywhere near that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Putin uses it to legitimise mm. himself. He says, look at them. They've got they've lost their minds. Yeah. Look, I can I can protect you from the woke. Yeah. Uh, you see it in Uganda. You see it in lots of African countries at the moment that are bringing in death penalties for gay people. They yeah. weren't there before. They're bringing them in now because they're turned off by they are now starting to believe that if you give an inch on homosexuality, then it's going to end up where we are. Yeah. And further along the line. And that's that's unfair and that is a genuine you know they talk about trans people being killed i mean i i don't know the statistics in the uk but like uh, it's not really ha it's imagine, not happening yeah. i heard one story and, in the news recently mm -hmm. and yeah that, that's about it that i've heard yeah and I feel it, like those things do they're not hidden and you yeah. know that the guardian and the bbc would be all over it if it was mm. but what is happening is people being put to death in africa and in uh, across the middle east for being gay. I mean, yeah. there is a branch of this transgender movement that is homophobic because it's the idea that if you veer at all from the stereotypical norm, then mm. you must not be part of that gender. Yeah. So actually it narrows what a male or a female is and the rest is you, you must be trans. Iran is the capital of transgenderism mm. because what they do is they give people two options. If you're gay and they catch you in the act, mm. you either are put to death well, you're trans. You, you change your gender. Which is... And I've watched a documentary by our very own British Broadcasting Corporation, which, funnily enough, is no longer available, that 
followed a bunch of Iranian men who'd kind of half forcibly had the transition who fled to Turkey for their lives. Yeah. We don't talk about that, do we? We don't no. talk about the backlash that even isn't happening just in our country but across the world because they're seeing this madness. Yeah, and, and, and they don't want to end up like us. And conflating gay people and lesbians with this madness. Mm. We don't stand for it. And I, one message I would like to give to straight people listening is like... The, this is being done in our name, but we don't support it. I don't, you know, we, it, these are a bunch of nut jobs who have managed to capture institutions, capture our biggest businesses, um, and it's a top-down, weird movement, which Pride never was. Pride was a bottom-up. Like, we were the lowest of the low, the, gay, yeah. the gays and lesbians. You know, we, we had no... No-one liked us. We had no rights. You know, no-one wanted to have a gay kid or a lesbian kid. It was a bottom-up movement, and suddenly now this transgender movement and the woke is a top-down institution telling normal people how to live their lives, and that's mm. the difference. And so it can tell you that this has got nothing to do with gay people at all. Yeah. Yeah, it is... It's it's bad and I, I do feel sorry for the sort of the gay community that don't support this sort of new new beast that's been created I feel like it's quite similar to the sort of feminist movement for women I mean I obviously support equal rights for women always will I support equal rights for anybody but um the fact that now if you suggest anything that that would like sort of imply that you're in any way hard done by in any kind of role you're just outlined as a sort of aggressive feminist because we had this group that was so aggressive and so like mm. extreme that is kind of ruined it for for all women and i feel like that's kind of what's happening for you guys as well now which um yeah yeah like but they must know that the backlash is coming it's either like they are completely oblivious to what to the outside world mm. Or they've got some. They've got this shame, and and they feel that they need to shock in order to get attention, or in order to annoy people. Or it's that they want the backlash. Yeah. Like I don't know, but I don't trust these people. With my, I don't think they care about gay people. I don't think they care about kids who have gender dysphoria, mm. because if they did, they wouldn't be going about things this way. And you know, there's a difference. In 1985, we managed to get the Welsh miners to come on Pride. Pride March yeah. because gays and lesbians had been bussed out to Wales in the 90s to support the strikers who were striking against the closure of the pits against Thatcherism and the austerity at the time mm. regardless of what you think about that it's a show of solidarity yeah. and in return you know they had a, they had a fundraising um, concert for the miners which the sun at the time called Pits and Perverts <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, they stood in solidarity because they understood that they just wanted basic rights and basic lives. Mm, and Fighting for similar things. Yeah, and the miners returned the favour in 1985 and came on the Pride March. And that's so interesting because typically working class communities were, you know, some of the most stigmatised towards gay people. Um, you know, the easier, the richer you were, the easier it was to be gay. Mm. You know, we had... I think we had the leader of the Liberal Party, um, Jeremy Thorpe. You heard of him? No. So the Liberal Party, he I think it was, this was in the 60s, was like very big back then. And he was the leader of it. And he was kind of, um, he was a closet gay man. And he'd, mm. he, he's famous now because he was on track to win an election, but he had an affair with this young boy and he tried to get a hitman to kill him and it all came to out. To kill the young boy? To kill the young oh, boy wow. because the young boy was going to speak. But 
why I talk about it is because, you know, there was for all of these MPs and wealthy people, there were all these gentlemen's clubs where they were doing it. But working class people didn't have that luxury. They were in the toilets and getting arrested and beaten. They managed to get the Welsh miners on side and then it, it went from there. And, mm. you know, there's this fight against Section 28 at the time, which Thatcher had brought in, which said that homosexuality can't be um, promoted. It's a bit like the Russian law. Um and, you know, they've got mass mass support. You won't find mass support for a lot of this stuff now. I mean, there are a lot of people that go along with the LGBT stuff and the trans stuff because they're told that it's good and it makes you a good person and you know that this is the correct opinion to have. I think it's not just that. It's that you're, you're actively told you're a bad person if you don't exactly, openly support exactly. it. Exactly. You get the subliminal message of what is the correct and what's the incorrect opinions to yeah. have. There's and allies and there's scumbags, basically. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And people in the middle that go, oh, well, I kind of see what they're saying here or, oh, I kind of see what they're saying there, they get vilified. You're not allowed to sit mm. on the fence. You have to pick a side. <sighs> well, I'm against them. So if yeah. they want me to pick a side, I'll go against them because I just, I just don't think it's right. And... Yeah. There's a video on uh, TikTok that's doing the rounds on right-wing social media. Have you seen it? Of where it's on Regent Street. Oh, where, with the flag. Uh, the, so it has been misrepresented in a way. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you some more questions about yeah, that. Actually, so yeah, so a lot of the time when there's a national celebration, well, there's always um, flags flown along Regent and Oxford Street. They change all the time. So... It's Chris, if it's Christmas or there's a shopping celebration or a bank holiday, there'll always be different flags up there. It just so happened that it was full of British flags because it had just been the coronation. Yeah. They left them up there until they moved to uh, Pride. Mm. And anyway, they've decorated the whole of Regent Street in Pride flags. And there was a man who was taking um, the British... So he'd put up all these Pride flags and there was a guy who was walking past with his phone out and there was two blokes up in, um, I don't know what they call them, those crane Cherry things. Cherry pickers. Cherry pickers. Mm. And um, they were taking down the last British flag to put up the pride flag. And the guy said, uh, you're taking down the wrong effing flag. And the, guy, the guys were like, don't you think I know? And he was like, well, at least you know. And then they threw the British flag on the floor to replace it with the pride flag. Mm. And... This went quite big in America for some reason. I did. And yeah, and the Americans went crazy because they were like, Britain has fallen, oh, England wow. has fallen. Um, I can't believe... Look at, look at the way he just threw the flag on the floor. I can't believe he let the flag touch the floor. We're not like that about the flag, are we? No, well, we haven't been allowed to be for quite a few years now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I suppose in America, they are very sort of... They're still allowed to have pride in their country. They're still allowed to yeah. display their flag. Um, but the flag is like sacrosanct in America. Then the flag is sacrosanct, yeah. The flag is... We don't really think of the flag like that, do we? Like, I wasn't offended to see the flag touch the floor, were you? Yeah. Uh, not really. I think it used to be a bigger thing. I think it used to be a bigger thing sort of worldwide that you couldn't let your nation's flag touch the floor because right. you're a proud nation. Right. I know that it's a big thing in Norway. My mum once dropped a flag and <laughs> she got massively told off by one of our relatives. Oh, really? But um, I think it... Pro- well, I'm sure it must have been the same way in... Um, Maybe. I, I, mean, I know in yachting, it's sort of the, they've got quite a... Um, a big thing about the Yeah, flags. so you're sort of, you have to take it down um, when the sun's gone down and all of that kind of stuff. Right. And if you leave your flag up overnight, then it's really disrespectful. I mean, I can understand taking care of a flag sh- sh- shows that you care about an idea and yeah. the idea being the United Kingdom. I, I wasn't really offended by that. 
Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm that offended. No, no. And I think they have a point in the way that they're saying that shouldn't human rights and equality be what we stand for? Equality before the law and, and democracy be what we stand for? And doesn't the British flag already represent that? Mm. And the symbolism of replacing the British flag with a pride flag, which is an ideology that most people in this country do not support, it feels quite totalitarian. Flags that are associated with ideologies and and the, the, the pride flag they used, which is this new one with the intersex and the invasion arrow of the black and brown and transgender, mm. is very much an ideological flag it's always associated with campaign groups who want a specific world to see 10 downing street fly that flag to see our nation's most iconic streets fly that flag our local parks our police stations our schools fly that flag it symbolizes ideological capture you know national flag replaced by this flag mm. i know a lot of americans are upset because joe biden has put the pride flag outside the White House and he's put the American flag behind it. And apparently there's a flag code in the US where the US flag must always be at the front. It must okay. be the most eminent. So anyway, flags are symbols. Why fly them? Yeah. And so people are saying, you know, I don't support this ideology and you are almost saying that this is what we stand We're for now rather than throats, yeah. the nation. And so there is this ideological conflict. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know how I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, that flag is so fucking ugly. Yeah, it's it's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> Quite garish. Yeah, and uh, at a time when we've got millions of people on waiting lists, there's a um, oh, where was it? Somewhere in Berkshire, a hospital that has opened a new link between different wings, and it's the pride flag, like the out the outside of it, is oh right in this intersex pride flag. So I put in an F FOI to find out how much they spent on it. Yeah. So I'll come back and let you guys know. Yeah, that'd be interesting eventually when to that, find out. when that happens. But I don't know. Where do you think we go, we go from here? I don't know. It, it is quite worrying, isn't it? Because it's just, again, like I've, I completely believe in equality and in everybody's rights. And I think that that is the whole sort of reason for UK democracy, Mm. And that's what we've stood for since we established a, an elected parliament. So I just sort of feel like now we're moving more towards this aggressive movement where you don't have the right to have your own thoughts and your own opinions and you can't disagree. And I do feel feel like this is the kind of the epitome of that, mm. um, which is quite sad. And I don't really know if there's if there's any coming back from it now, <laughs> which is the worrying part. I don't no. know if we've gone too far. And it is the further we move towards these kind of aggressive ideologies, the further we do move away from democracy, I feel. Because I feel like my beliefs are regularly accused of being fascist and all of this kind of stuff. And you are sort of immediately shut down. You feel like you can't say anything. We're both students. There's been situations where you do feel like you can't say what you actually think because mm -hmm. it's just going to get shut down and it's just further and further away from democracy and freedom of thought and freedom of speech exactly that and you know we're meant to have protected rights on our beliefs and our expression and i mean they're coming into conflict in a way because they are protecting people's right to gender identities and all sorts mm. and 
you know, the corporate culture itself. You know, the government in the UK is not that powerful compared to other European governments. You know, we have a large private sector civil society. And I think a lot of our change in sort of norms are driven by civil society. Mm. And civil society, society in one voice is saying, this is what we think now. Yeah. And all these corporations are rebranding themselves in the pride flag because... The owner of BlackRock, who is the largest investment firm in the world, manages a portfolio of $8 trillion, has shares in pretty much every big company in the world, has created this idea of an ESG score, which is kind of a rating for how uh, investable you are. That's not really a word, but how uh, appealing you are to to invest in. Mm. And it's quite opaque how they do it, but one of the main... A big part of it is... Um, how they are on LGBT rights. And that's why a lot of the time you'll notice that they won't, a lot of shops won't massively decorate themselves in the pride flag because they know that most people don't support that and it's not going to gain them more customers. But their corporate websites, their Twitter mm. is all, you know, the logo's redesigned into the pride flag because that's a way to boost your ESG score and make it more likely for you to be invested in. So if, if the LGBT plus movement... Mm or the people that claim to speak for us at the moment have captured the incentives when it comes to money, then they'll they'll be able to drive this all the way home. Yeah. Surely that's just exploitation, though, as well. I, I was reading about this pink washing, which yeah. is what you're talking about, where the companies are sort of taking on the, the pride flags and, and everything like that. But sort of... As a gay man yourself, do you not feel like that's a bit exploitative? Like, I'd be a bit miffed if a company sort of posted a load of pictures of women once a year and was like, oh, yeah, we love women, come and shop with us sort of thing. Yeah, it, it does, but I think the whole thing is a joke. Mm. But I, I don't understand it. Like, how how has a, a parade of gay and lesbian people who felt deep shame and felt, no, we should be proud of who we are, and actually, and, it, it was in response it was, to a it riot. Was a day like of, it's... It was a day of liberation of like we're we're here and we're not sh- we're not ashamed of ourselves, and we just want the world to know that mm. to actually complete dominion over public life, public discourse, uh, creating our social norms, completely changing society mm. into something that I don't think any of us want. I don't support that, and so I. I th- I see the corporations the same as the Stonewall and Mermaids and all these other charities that say they speak for us. It's they use us. They don't speak for us. They use us for their own mm. agenda. And the companies are using it to increase their invest investability and uh, you know focus groups and what have you. The charities are using it for their own ends, which is you know revolution. And we had this. I spoke to Susanna in another episode about. The socialist worker and these these movements they co-opt us because they want to use us to drive home whatever social changes and revolutions that they want to have i don't support that i i feel offended by it and i feel creeped out yeah. like why is it that you've got children's clothes in like pride ideology Such and the pride flags children's clothes yeah like, like baby grows like lgbt and you know gay pride yeah. and why can't children be allowed to make their own minds up when they get to the age where they start to understand politics yeah, and I, ideologies? Yeah, I really don't want to be associated with that. And that's what upsets me is that 
it's so funny that they say that gay people are oppressed and, you know, they speak for us. Well, I feel oppressed by them. Mm. But then if I say that, this happened. There's Douglas Murray. He's a huge... Uh, thinker, author, conservative. He was a, he's a joint editor of The Spectator. And he went on Talk TV um, with one of these um, LGBT activists from Stonewall or whatever. And he, you know, he was coming out pretty much saying what I'm saying. And this person said that he was a shame to the uh, community. And he was and like, I'm not... Part- is that? Exactly. After you've been fighting to be exactly. pride... Pr- to be pride, to be proud of who you are for all these years, and you finally got the sort of equality in the gay marriage and stuff like that, and then somebody's coming out and telling you that you should be ashamed of yourself. Exactly. It just completely goes against the movement. Exactly, because they don't actually care about us; they're using us. Yeah. And you know, he said to him, he was like, "Shut up! I've been out and proud since before you were born. Yeah. Don't talk to me about this movement or what I should be ashamed. I'm not a part of your community. I'm an individual, and that's what we need to realize. We are individuals. We fought for indi- yes under the banner of the fact that we all had a common interest, but mm. we fought for individual rights. We didn't fight for group rights. Yeah. And we need to remember ourselves as individuals. We're not a group. We're not a monolith." I don't think the same as Douglas Murray. I don't think the same as Owen Jones. Mm. It, you know, leave own person. Yeah. my own person. We're allowed to be mm. <laughs> just like you and other, you know, straight people. You're allowed your own opinions. We're not all the and same. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not all the same. So why would we be the same? You yeah. know, and you guys know that. Yeah, it's these people that want to use us for their own agenda that mm. pretend that. Yeah. So have you have you been to Pride, Nick? Yeah, I went to Pride once. Mm. Uh, it was Manchester Pride, like a few week, few years ago, like three years ago maybe. Um, it was an interesting experience. I mean, it was expensive. I think I paid like eighty something pound for a ticket. I mean, they had a concert there. Um, See, I I had no idea that you had to pay to go to a yeah, political yeah. event. It's it's yeah. a protest, really, isn't it? And you have well, to pay to go to a protest. It was a protest, but now it's a party. So mm. a lot of the time, it's a big. It's like a festival. So they put on big concerts. You have international stars come. Then what 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 upsets me is it's meant to be inclusive. Yeah. But you know there are a lot of gay people who might be students or might be young, might just be not wealthy. They can't afford to pay... A lot of people can't afford £80. That's a a lot of money. Can't afford to pay this money. Mm. What's really sad is that, you know, most cities in the UK have a gay village. You know, we have an area where it's all gay bars and gay shops and what have you, gay pubs. Mm. And what they did in Manchester is they shut the whole gay village to people with tickets. So it means the one day where you're meant to be showing your pride and your solidarity in a community, if you don't have the money, you're shut out of it. Yeah. But yet straight people who can afford it can go in. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. There were, like, people standing in the street, like, pretty much naked, like, wearing jock straps with their, Mm. like, bare bums out. Was Um, there children at this event? I don't remember seeing any children. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, it, it was just weird, like... I got groped a lot that day. Oh. I just really, I didn't like it. And it, it it just felt a little bit, it just felt a little bit narcissistic. It didn't feel like, you know, I can imagine that Pride back in that day was like a real like leaning on each other thing. Yeah. It was like, we've got each other. We're all right. You're, you know, you're not, you're not something to be ashamed of. Yeah. One and day I can, we'll get what we're uh, fighting for. Yeah. And I can really see the use in that. Mm. You know, I didn't have anyone to talk to when I was growing up. I didn't have, I didn't know anyone. Yeah. Um, and it was really lonely. 
Um, and so I can imagine that that must be really nice. But it wasn't like that. You mm. know, it wasn't it wasn't like that. It was a hookup fest and it was just a normal festival, but more debaucherous in a way. Mm. And so I haven't been back because I didn't I didn't see the utility in it for me. Yeah. I, I just was like, I feel alienated here. I don't assaulted. like assaulted. Yeah, yeah, assaulted. I don't I don't like the fact that people can't all be a part of it. I understand if you want to have a festival, you want to have club nights after, mm. fair enough, pay to get into those, but to not be allowed to walk through a street that you walk through every day. Maybe even living. On the day mm. that you're meant to, it's meant to include you, is just weird to me. Like, it's, bizarre, and it's, it? it's money making. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I. have you ever been? I haven't, no. Um, Would you ever go? <laughs> To be honest with you, probably not. It's, it's yeah. not really my, yeah. my kind of thing, especially after the way that you've um, you've described it. It doesn't sound yeah. that appealing to me. No. I'm also not really a big fan of big crowded spaces. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it might be different in other countries. I mean, Killian's always told me that in France it's still like a march. Oh, is it? And I think here they do still do marches. When I lived in Birmingham, I saw them do a march. So mm. the gay village there was still closed and ticketed, but they did a march through the city. Um, I was at work, so I couldn't go, but I did see them. Um, so that must be nice. But I, I do feel as though, on a legal standpoint, we're there. Mm. So I don't think you can call it a protest movement anymore because no, I don't think there's any more... what you set out to protest. There's, there's no more rights to acquire. Not in this country. Not in this country. Um, definitely show solidarity with other countries and support them in their pride marches, 100%. Mm. But, um, you know, the movement now has been co-opted by people who want to go further, and I think with nefarious aims, I don't think that it's well-intentioned um, or reasonable. Yeah. Um, so well, I the feel... new rights they're requesting are taking yeah. rights away from yeah. other people, aren't they? Yeah. In order to prioritise minorities. Yeah, we, we're protected from discrimination. We're treated equally in the workplace. We um, are allowed to marry. We're allowed to adopt. Um, we are protected from conver conversion therapies. Um, and I don't feel as though there's any more to be gained. 100% have a celebration, but like, don't make it a national event, mm. you know? Um, I don't, you know, Christmas is a national event. I understand that, you know, we're a country founded on Christian values. We're still, the church and the state are still aligned. Um, you know, I wouldn't want um, other movements to be national. I mean, even Christmas, a lot of the time, they want you to say happy holidays, don't they? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just feel as though we could move forward to it actually being about being there for each other and celebrating each other because it can still be hard to be gay, you know? I don't believe that many parents um, want their children to be gay. Um, I, I, and that doesn't make them bad. I mm. think you want to, as an animal, you want to, um, like, lengthen your lineage. You know, you want, you, you, you know, you want, you picture your child getting, growing up, getting married, having children, and obviously they might be different and you have to accept that. Mm. doesn't mean you have to actively wish for it and push for it, though. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's an assumption out there that your child will grow up to get, get married and have children, and I think that's good. I think that's fine. If I had a child, I would have the same Hopes thoughts. And dreams, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they weren't, then I'd be like, cool, because I'm not. But yeah. you, can't, you can't force it. I mean, what would happen if everyone 
did that, you know, we'd go extinct, wouldn't we? Um, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah, you, you like that idea. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel as though pride is still useful in some ways, but I don't like it as this weird national event. I think it's creepy. I think it's totalitarian. It's a bit dystopian. It's just odd. Mm. I think everyone knows that it's odd. It's just weird. And it does just seem like another opportunity for more exclusion and more segregation, doesn't it? Yeah. It's again, it's like, which has been happening all over England at the moment, just let's categorise ourselves into these small groups and segregate ourselves from everybody and you're not allowed. Yeah, it's, it's literally politics, like hanging a, yeah. a sign on a door saying no girls allowed. It's, I mean, yeah. not girls in this instance, but it's, yeah, quite, we, quite childish, I feel. You know, we won our rights by finding some common cause and something to unite around, which was yeah. human and, rights and dignity and for the individual. And you wanted mass support. And we got it. Yeah. We will lose our rights by splintering into identity groups and creating um, opposition out of each other. Mm. Should we leave it there? Yeah, I think that's, that's a good enough place to leave, isn't it? Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. See you next week.